Pandelis Moskopoulos, a.k.a. Pan the Organizer, is a YouTuber, card detailer, and fellow Canadian whose entertaining and educational detailing videos have attracted an audience of over 600,000 subscribers on YouTube, making him one of the biggest detailing channels on the platform. Pan's straightforward and common-sense approach to card detailing has helped him garner over 70 million video views on the back of 600 videos and has managed to accomplish all of that in less than five years on YouTube. It's impressive to note that Pan speaks three languages and produces videos not only in English but also in French, which warms the heart of every French-speaking Canadian and makes Pan's content even more unique and appealing. So, let's keep it tight, let's keep it clean, and let's say bonjour and welcome to the podcast Pan the Organizer. That's right. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Bonjour uh, to everybody who uh, is French-speaking out there as well. Thanks for having me on the, the podcast. You guys are doing some great stuff out there. Well, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. And the way I understand it is that you're relatively new full-time YouTuber. Is that right? Can you tell yeah, us Yeah, that's about, correct. And I understand your girlfriend kind of got you motivated to start YouTube in the first place. Why don't you take us back and tell us a little backstory behind that and what it's like to be a full-time YouTuber now? Man, you guys are good with your detective work. Look at that. And I, and I didn't even tell you this. We do um, our research. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I can tell. Uh, by the way, I know Chad's from Canada, but Steve, are you from Canada as well? No, I'm in San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, cool. So we got both uh, US and Canada. So the uh, background story basically, um, so actually yesterday on April 27, that's where I celebrated my fifth year on YouTube. So whoop, whoop. Um, so going back to 2016 now, I was, uh, of course, watching a bunch of videos on YouTube. Um, I've been detailing cars as an enthusiast and weekend warrior for like 24 years now. So ever since I was 16, I'm now 40. And um, just obsessed beyond. And I had like a side gig kind of thing going with uh, customers and I would detail their cars. And so it was never my main job, but very, very high level interest as far as a hobby is concerned. And so um, my girlfriend told me at one point we were having supper at a restaurant and she's like, listen, I've never seen anybody spend 12 to 15 hours on end in a garage detailing a car, not even taking a break to go out and pee. Or, or, or take a snack or anything. You just detail nonstop. Um, and so why don't you share that? Like I see you looking at all these videos on YouTube, right? Because it was an established world with a lot of players. There are hundreds of detailing channels out there. And um, so it kind of got my mind thinking, well, that would be a good idea, except I have no idea how to make videos, how to edit. So I kind of took about a year to self-learn where I'm self-taught as far as video editing and shooting and all that kind of stuff. So looking for what camera gear, how does it work? How do you edit videos? What software do you use? Because I'm a one-man band, essentially. I do everything on my own still to this date. Um, sometimes she does help me with filming though and my brother too and when he comes along. And so, yeah, I, I just decided to, you know what? I think it's time to dive in. I have something different to bring to the table as far as well, both languages go as well, English and French and uh, just share my passion, knowledge, and obsession through all these years and, and just see where it goes. And the next question was like, well, what do I call my channel, right? So how did Pan the organizer come in play? So she was like, well, you like to organize everything in your life, whether it's having a clean home, a clean working environment, your workspace, your living space, your budget, your finances, uh, anything we do in life is like super well organized. And she's like, you should just call yourself Pan the Organizer. That makes total sense. So all my friends and family who knew me, they're like, yeah, that's super appropriate. So starting off, I, I wasn't doing just detailing videos. I did a couple of other things like travel vlogs. I would talk about uh, electronics because I, I absolutely love home theater stuff and hi-fi. And so I, I kind of dove into a couple of different uh, topics, but I noticed that the ones about detailing were the ones that were really taking off. Um, I guess it was resonating with an audience and... Here, here and here we go. A few years later, that's where we're at now. And I'm just blessed with a super positive audience to share all this passion with. And that's one thing you notice with time. Because initially, some of my friends and family were like, why are you wasting your time making videos about detailing cars, like washing vehicles and applying ceramic coatings and all this odd stuff? And I realized over time that there's a niche for everything on YouTube. And there's definitely people that share the same passion as you do, regardless of which field you're in or which niche or niche um, you're in. And, and same thing for Chad. I know your, your girlfriend has the awesome channel, Clean My Space, which I was following way before I started my own channel. So what a, what a role model for Canadian YouTubers. And so, um, yeah, there's always somebody out there that has the same passion as you do for something and you're going to touch that audience and reach them. And I think they find a safe haven where they're not judged 
because they like cleaning their cars for 10, 12, 15 hours or five days in a row, right? And you have this community of people that you can just interact with and uh, yeah, just share your passion with without being judged. I know a lot of my viewers, what they say is like, finally, a place where I get to be normal, right? Because they see their neighbors laughing at them when they spend like five hours just washing their car outside on a Saturday and the neighbors don't understand that. Well, on my channel, you're, you're more than welcome to share that and it's actually encouraged and I want to share that detailing bug with everybody. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of the uh, the background story of how the uh, the channel started and, and that brought us to, to where we are today, just sharing that passion and knowledge. So I have one of those neighbors who's a car guy and I, I'm a car guy myself as well. However, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time detailing a car or cleaning my car myself as much as I probably should. My neighbor <laughs> is the opposite. It's raining today. And before the podcast, I, I looked out the window and I saw him cleaning his wheels because I mean, why not? Like even when it's raining, he's out of there. Course. What is it? What is it about car detailing that just is it just one of those things where you manage to do something, but you, you get so much enjoyment and relaxation out of it? Is it a way to, what, what is car detailing for you? That is a, a very good question, Chad. And I, I think the main answer for me is it's something that's soothing. So the way I explain it is, is when you're detailing a vehicle, you have to focus so much on the task at hand, obviously the details, and you're, you're sort of lose yourself in the moment. So you forget about your daily woes. You forget about troubles or issues you might be having. You forget about everything else. So you're, you're focusing on what you're doing and the, um, you're chasing that end result. Either the customer's smile, if you're a professional detailer, um, or your own satisfaction of looking at the end result, touching the vehicle with the backside of your hand and like feel that smoothness and slickness and just admire the, the work that you've done with your own hands. So it, I think it's a way for people to escape the, the everyday life. You put on your favorite music uh, when you're detailing or, or maybe not, regardless of how you like it. But um, yeah, it's a soothing experience. There's something therapeutical about um, doing detailing that just gets you hooked. And once you start, you just can't stop. It's like anything in life. I think when you find something that um, you do well, you feel comfortable with, and it makes you feel good when you're doing it. You're just more inclined to do it more and more. And well, it, it became more of a passion. I think at this point I can call it an OCD level type <laughs> thing, but yeah, it's definitely a soothing experience. That, that's how I would describe it. Do you experience this with other parts of your life? Do you find yourself wanting to clean you know, the bathroom or something to high levels? Yeah, absolutely. Everything. It's ridiculous. Like the, the best compliment I have when people come over is they, they look around and they're like, do people actually live here? I'm like, well, you know what? Thank you. Yeah, I, I like just cleaning everything uh, to an obsessive level. I've always been like that since I was a young child. Uh, my parents never had to like uh, struggle with me to, to have me clean my room and stuff. I just like having a nice, uh, neatly organized space. And the way I tell my viewers is if you have a neatly organized life or a room or a car, or usually that means that you're headed in the right direction. And there's something about that that not necessarily, it doesn't apply to everybody because some people can live in chaotic environments and still be very successful in life. But I think for me, at least having everything categorized, everything well-organized, well-laid out, well-planned, a neat space to work in just helps the creative flows, the creative juices come out. And um, for me, it helps me go forward is by having everything organized, everything nice and clean. Because for me, a clean working space also means that you have clean head to work with inside here. You're, you don't have any clutter or chaos to work with. I don't know if that makes any sense there. Oh, but it makes total sense. When I'm working yeah. in my workshop here, it's always better to come into the shop when it's already clean. I always try to make a point of cleaning it up before yeah. I leave for the day. Do you find it hard to drive a car after it's been fully detailed? You don't want to take it out and get it dirty? <laughs> A lot of people say like all those efforts and then it's going to rain outside, right? And, and you lost all that. But I see it. I, I turn it around. I see uh, I'm a like glass half full kind of guy. So I see that just as an excuse if it gets dirty to clean it again. So I, I, I know I don't get mad. I used to when I was younger, but I kind of learned that, listen, Mother Nature out there has its own plans, especially where we live in Canada. It's like half of the year we're in disgusting snowy weather, it seems. So um, yeah, no, I just see it as a perfect excuse to go out there again and enjoy doing what I'm doing and... Yeah, no, I, I don't get frustrated by that. One of the things I love about your channel is that it clearly focuses on car detailing, but you do still allow it to be a platform for you to kind of do what you want to talk about and, exactly. and allow it to be a representation of Pan's interests as opposed to like, this is just Pan's interest in car detailing. Yeah. Uh, two questions. A, has 
making so many videos about car detailing affected your interest in car detailing yourself? And also, do you have a, a mix or a content calendar which you try to keep a balance or do you kind of just, you know, put out whatever is on your mind at the time? Well, for the first part of the question, um, I'd say that the it hasn't changed my perspective in a negative way. So obviously there's days where, cause filming a detailing video is a lot more complicated than people think. So a regular detail for me, example, when I do a new car prep, so working uh, the car inside and out, preparing and cleaning and enhancing and protecting all the surfaces, uh, takes anywhere from 12 to 13 hours on average. And that's just the work alone. Add filming on top of that especially by yourself. So you're always changing camera angles. You're always making sure that you have the ISO settings, the aperture, all the lighting is fine, the audio, all that stuff. Um, it, it makes it very, very hard. You want to capture every angle of, of the aspects that you're working on. I think it's not as, as easy to enjoy that moment. So I, I'll enjoy the editing afterwards. But um, one thing that I absolutely love about making videos now is all the collaborations with other brands, other channels. So people I used to look up to and that were role models to me before I started my old channel. Well, now I had a chance to have them as special guests on my videos and, uh, or help smaller channels grow. That's one thing I absolutely love is to give back. So I, I kind of like to act the way I would have liked bigger channels to act with me when I started. So I give that back now and help others grow. I think YouTube as a community needs um, positivity and we need to help each other grow. And just the connection with brands as well. I mean, it's it's very rare to get the chance to meet the CEOs of these companies that you used to admire as a child growing up or these up and coming brands as well that have a story to tell and that you want to help put on the map. So it gives me a chance or opportunity to connect with, with people, with my viewers, with these brands, with the people behind the brands as well. So the chemists that formulate these products uh, or the, the owners of the companies themselves. I mean, some of them are like pretty huge companies. So having the, the opportunity to just sit down with them and pick their brains and how'd you start the business? How did it get to this point? Uh, are there any challenges? Those things that I like to try and learn and apply to my own life. And so, um, yeah, the, the second part of the question was, do I plan, I think, any types of videos or, or how do I plan my content? Um, I try to plan about a month ahead of time as far as filming the videos, but for the content, I, I never have anything um, like pre-planned. I try and go with the flow, um, either with ideas that I think are ripe for the moment or by reading the comments, I think your viewers often feed the, uh, the future content because they're like, oh, you should review this product or can you please try this? Or I haven't seen a tutorial on how to do this or this steps. Can you, uh, can you please go ahead and, and try that? So the majority of my content recently has been through, um, through viewers' ideas. You, they just kind of let you know because they get to know you as well. And um, you get to know them over the years. And so they kind of get an understanding of what you're about. And then they're like, you know what? Let me feed Pan this idea. And I see if the same idea comes uh, often, well, then that tells me I, I definitely need to start making a video about it. So um, yeah, no, the ideas aren't uh, planned way ahead of time, but I try to at least film a few videos to have three or four weeks worth of content because God forbid if anything were, were to happen to me or who knows, you, you find yourself at the hospital or COVID, luckily uh, I, I got no issues, but you never know, right? What life uh, has to, so I like to plan ahead a little bit, but, but not too much, but yeah, the, the ideas are fed by, by viewers for sure. They're, they're just a great bunch that, that like to tell you, um, or, or give you good suggestions or hints on what should be next. But you're also doing those a large percentage of those you're doing in French. What was the reasoning behind that? And I also wanted to ask you if putting those French versions alongside of the English versions on the same channel. Do you see that as becoming a problem as far as the numbers on the channel and people not watching those as much? Or would you ever consider putting that on a second channel? Uh, it's always open for debate. Um, I speak to, um, they're not, well, I'm the only one in my space that does um, uh, videos in English and French, but there are uh, other niches, uh, other industries in, in YouTube that have uh, YouTubers do both languages. And first of all, it is the hardest thing to do. Like people, I think sometimes don't understand how complicated it is to make videos. So just making them, just making one video is super long and tedious, but uh, restarting everything twice to film everything all over again in another language is just, it, it is crazy. So I've gotten to a point now where I can do it for every video. Um, I try to as much as I can, but of course the audience, like my channel is probably 85 to 90% Anglophone. So the, if I'm looking at analytics, obviously the, the French versions get less, uh, less views and less traction. 
However, I think it, it separates me again from the rest in the sense that, well, I'm the only one in the space that does that. And I think there's a French community out there as well that are are longing for for detailing videos. They're, they're thirsty for that kind of stuff and they just don't have access to as much content. So this is another way for me to say, hey, you guys are also allowed to, to enjoy detailing. And if you want to understand all the tips, the tricks and the tutorials, well, here's at least my way to contribute and, and give you a bit of knowledge and entertainment, hopefully along the way. It, it's still open for debate as well. Like, can it hurt a channel? I haven't seen that as far as my numbers are concerned because the growth has been steady. Um, and definitely after a few years, they, they get to know, right? So my viewers, when they see the French version, they're like, okay, well, if I'm Anglophone, I, I have the English version for sure. I think more for a starting channel, it's a harder thing. Um, should I have done two separate channels? I don't know. I think to the point where mine is at now, I think it also gives visibility to the, to the French videos. So uh, I'll continue doing it the, the, the way I do. And hopefully people understand that I have both versions available when, when need be there. I can see why people in Quebec want a car detailing channel. Yeah. So my question is, is Quebec the worst possible place to be a car detailer? <laughs> Just because of salt and snow and all of the rest? For francophones, I think it is probably one of the most, um, uh, where the place in the world where there's the most car detailing enthusiasts, believe it or not, despite the weather. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely frustrating because half of the year, literally, like from end of October until even now outside, uh, we had a few inches of snow last week. Um, so here we are end of April. So basically six months out of the year, we're what we call winter mode. So your winter tires and your winter wheels and the car gets dirty. It's either snowing or sleet or hail or rain or who knows and muddy circumstances. And so, and not everybody has a garage or if they do, not everybody has a heated garage. So that definitely adds to the challenge. Um, but I think for the, uh, the times where it is nice outside, yeah, a lot of people just love being out there and, and cleaning and washing their cars. And there, there's a sense of pride, but definitely we have a challenge as far as the weather is concerned. Uh, I wish I was in California or the nicer places in the world to be able to like enjoy this all year long. I think that you have reached a rite of passage on your YouTube channel because you generated a little bit of controversy recently. And I don't know <laughs> if this is just a guy who seems to just have a beef with you doing sponsorships or what the deal is with that but congratulations you are officially a youtuber now the drama once you have drama, drama. Tell, you, i mean and in, i was hoping just, to avoid all of that so in five years it's like the one of the first times you you've know, arrived pan there's drama in every niche of is there YouTube, yeah it seems like yeah but it's so tell sad us a, tell us about that and, and yeah. how i think you handled it pretty well Thank you. Um, yeah, it was it was a very sad situation. Essentially, there was a, a smaller channel um, in the niche that decided to um, come out with a video to apparently expose me on something that, well, there was nothing to expose. So the gist of it was that apparently I was not uh, disclosing sponsored content to my audience. And in my um, dealings with uh, a brand for a collaboration on a potential sponsored video, they uh, revealed a private email uh, between the two parties. So between myself and the brand, uh, disclosing the um, amounts I was uh, requesting for sponsored content, which the email was strictly confidential and that was written in the email so yeah they they opened themselves to, to legal actions but anyhow i digress so um so they they the initial video came out and so i had a lot of people talking because obviously the the title was very dramatic pan the organizer exposed caught red-handed <laughs> and i was looking at that and was like wow really like after all these years i've always been transparent especially with sponsored content i follow rules and regulations I disclose it in the video. So at the beginning, I also talk about it and it's in the disclosure in the description under the video. And my audience knows that. So, and the, the, um, they took some clips of the emails that were exchanged between me and the, the company, but they only took a portion of that that tried to vilify me and they tried to make the company look as they were honest, right? They would never accept a payment for a video. And I let it simmer for a few days because I never want to react out of emotions, but I'm like, you know what? Just for the respect I have for my audience, I will do a response video and I'll give the, uh, the truth. So without naming the company or the YouTuber, I decided to not stoop to their level. Um, I said, listen, guys, there's basically a, um, a smaller channel out there that is trying to defamate my reputation and to slander 
my, my integrity. And so I'm going to give the facts. So I shared the portion of the email where that brand actually was the one who proposed a commission-based revenue and who wanted to offer um, an amount, right, for the, for the partnership. So I'm like, if you do not have all the facts, guys, you can see how this drastically changes the, um, the outlook on the situation and how it changes the narrative. And so th this backfired big time on that channel and uh, that brand as well. So my viewers went like crazy uh, to the point where the channel had to take down the video because they, they had noticed now that they had done false accusations. It was very unfortunate that it had to happen um, the way it did, because again, I, I'm a super positive guy. I tried to, to make the best content possible, but what came out of it was tremendous support from my viewers. I mean, my video got 110,000 views already in just a week that it's been out. Like you, you, you probably saw, right? The support was tremendous. And um, yeah, they, they were right behind me and I got like major calls and emails and just messages from the brands as well. They're like, Pan, we have your back. You've been doing the right thing since the beginning. You helped a lot of us just grow as far as brands or even um, people in my, in my audience, which was touching to me or, or moving. I was like, listen, you gave me the passion and the knowledge. I started my business because of you. So I have like just thank yous to give you. And if you make, if you made a million dollars this year on YouTube, well, I hope you make $10 million next year. Yeah, what's your, your guys' input on, on YouTube drama? <laughs> well, Steve, Steve, you would know a thing or two about woodworking drama, wouldn't you? I think that it's just one of those things that, you know, every YouTuber goes through that at some point or another. And I think that we all kind of, you usually can just emerge unscathed. And I think that, you know, you just took the right tack to all of that. And so that's Thank all you. you could do. It must have been great to also see some of the other uh, car detailing YouTubers come out uh, put videos out there that to really show their support. Me. Yeah, you almost you basically got a hashtag trending for a little while there to like I support Pan or whatever it was. But that was really great to see, and that's what this community yeah. is about, and that's also what uh, you know that's that's what people are willing to do to go out and support you and stand up for you because this is the way that you did decide to approach it. So well done on handling it very well. Thank I you. I know as soon Appreciate as it. as soon as I see a. a a, a video from Pan and he's sitting in his green chair. I know it's a serious subject. <laughs> yeah, the last so was, time was in, during COVID, right? When COVID started, right? my video was entitled uh, We Need to Talk or something like that. And, yeah. and I just decided to, to talk about COVID and what was going on. And yeah. So I'll parlay that into uh, questions about YouTube. A, are you a thumbnail person? Do you put a lot of thought into your thumbnails and do you dub and over like, oh, which one is the best? Uh, and yeah, so what does your thumbnail process look like? Absolutely. For the um, last nine months, actually, I hired a uh, professional um, graphic artist to do my thumbnails because I do believe that, well, thumbnails is your first entry point, right? For a new person that has never discovered your channel, the only way they have to, to see is your thumbnail, your title, and maybe the description if they get that far. So if it's not interesting or it's not eye-catching, well, people just might not click. You might have the best content in the world. You might be the best detailer in the world or whichever niche you're in, the best at. If your, your, your thumbnails don't attract viewers' attention without being clickbait, um, uh, it's going to be hard to, to, to get that click through rate or that CTR. So yeah, I just, I, I used to do that on my own and it would take me hours and hours and I'm, I'm by no means a graphic artist. And so I, I hired somebody to, to do them and he's doing a fantastic job. And I, I think that really helped. I saw the, the difference in the, the CTR. So the click through rate, just cause they look more polished now. And so I basically take a few pictures on my own. I send him the, uh, the pics. I tell him what I'm looking for, but I still like to give him full creative content. He kind of knows what my channel is about now. Kind of got the, the idea of the, uh, the type of person I am as well and what content I put out. And so I give him the big lines of what I want, uh, or what I'm looking for. And I just let him, uh, give him a, a free reign on what, what to do. And then he sends me the, the end result and I kind of approve and, and then use that. So that's been helping a lot because a lot of people say you should invest a lot of time and energy as a YouTuber in your thumbnails, at least 15 to 20% of the total time spent on a video. And I fully agree like that. That is the very, a key moment. It's kind of coming down to that where that's, that's the reason why people click on a video. It's like the main thing. Absolutely. I remember Casey Neistat being perfectly yes. honest with it. He was like, I don't get like, even if like, I just want you to click and then you'll decide whether you want to stay or not at that point. But my, my, ob the objective is for me to get you to click. And if I disappoint, I'm sorry, but most of the time I do my best to make sure that, you know, the content that follows is going to, 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 you know, 
uh, be worthy of your click. So many of us had Casey as an inspiration. I mean, he was like probably the world's biggest and most known vlogger. Uh, I think he was the originator of that style of videos. And uh, I remember just looking up to him and being like, especially when he was doing it for two years in a row, those everyday vlogs, you, you kind of felt that you were a part of his life. And he, he was just skateboarding sometimes to go and get juice at a local juice shop. And he made that so interesting. So it kind of motivated, I'm sure, a lot of people to start YouTube. He, he motivated me to, to, to start YouTube. He was one of those there um, that, that decided to, to tell me, you know what, I, I think it's time. There, there's something there. There's something cool about YouTube. And he shares what he's passionate about. And well, why not uh, I do the same thing? Now, the car detailing space is really full right now, and there certainly yeah. seems to be a push towards the ultimate disaster. 100%. You have never seen a car this dirty before. Yeah. It's illegal how dirty this car is. But, but those generate a lot of views. Yeah. How do you steer clear of that? How do you not get lost in those trappings? I, I've always done my style and I'm still going to stick to it. And I think the viewers that, that come around are the, uh, the ones that are in for the long ride. Um, speaking to owners of some of those channels, like they, they do get crazy views, but it's more an instant gratification kind of thing, more than people being there for the very long term. Because essentially it's the same thing time and time again, not, not to knock what they're doing. They're doing some fantastic work and they get the millions of views um, and the crazy growth. But I think it's a, it's a trend. I'm not sure it's gonna be there in five years. So there's something going on now. And you can tell, because even the smaller pop-ups that do the same thing, there, there's many copycat channels. They all have that same high view velocity, which you're like, well, you just started on YouTube. How is that? So there's definitely a trend right now. Um, but again, not to knock what they're doing. It's, it's a lot of hard work, but it's basically the same, the same recipe. So it's a very disgusting looking car and it's just, you're washing it. So that's not really detailing as far as we're concerned. Uh, the ones who do more detail oriented videos. So detailing for me, the definition of that is, is a tutorial to learn how to do things. So the person at the end of the day, when they watch your videos, they have to understand the process, learn which products you're using, why you're doing these steps to go ahead in their own homes and then emulate that process. So if you're taking away things, uh, from watching a video, as far as knowledge goes, that's what detailing should be about. So going to the fine details, enhancing, protecting. So those disaster detail type videos, what they're, well, disaster washing, they should be called. Basically, it's always the same thing. A crazy, disgusting car. They just wash the vehicle. After pressure washing, 90% 90, 90 of it's already clean. Uh, and then they, they tackle the interior, but that's pretty much the extent of it. So to bring it back to a reasonable state, um, but after 24 years of detailing myself, I used to do those disaster details back in the early days. So washing cars for 20 bucks and they looked horrible. Now I focus more on high-end details. So the higher-end uh, new cars. So I do new car preps. That's what I like the most because I like new cars. I like new tech. I like looking at the new vehicles, the new models that are available and basically enhancing what they already have, making it better than new, uh, but mostly protecting it for years to come. So the, because it's the second biggest expense in the life, right? After a home, typically for people, a vehicle. And um, it's an outright money pit and it is a depreciating asset. So the best you can do at least is to help slow down the depreciating factor as far as the looks and cleanliness go by protecting all the surfaces and uh, just enjoying uh, doing the upkeep and maintenance of your vehicle while you while you keep it to increase its resale value, so on and so forth. So for me, detailing is all about the value. You should get something out of watching that video more than just satisfaction and entertainment. So I think when you attach entertainment, just like Casey Neistat or those um, dirty car washes, it's definitely meant for entertainment. So entertainment equals views. And obviously that drives a lot of uh, people wanting to click and watch the videos because the, uh, the thumbnails are very <laughs> catchy, right? The most disgusting detail ever, the most filthy vomit puke infested car. So obviously it's going to peak uh, people's interest, but um, yeah, detailing for the ones who do detailing videos. I look at my buddy, Larry from Mamo NYC, who has 1.8 million subscribers at this point. Uh, myself, uh, Obsessed Garage. There's a lot of big channels, Brian from Apex Detail, a lot of very good content creators that do great things. There's Car Cleaning Guru in the UK. So those are detailing videos. You, you understand how to do things. You learn how to do these things. You get tutorials, you get product reviews, equipment reviews, how to build your own detailing arsenal. So you kind of get to take the, this knowledge, 
bring it back home with you. Either you're a professional, you bring it back uh, with you in your business to help uh, augment your detailing game. Or if you're a weekend warrior or a car detailing enthusiast, well, you just learn a bunch of stuff that you can now do and, and get to enjoy or, or have a um, better understanding of how things work and why you do things. So that's, that's detailing. So I'm going to keep sticking. I did one or two for my viewers' enjoyment just to see how they enjoy it. So some of them did, but I think they, they understand that I'm going to keep sticking to, to what I'm known for. And that's making detailing reviews and detailing tutorials. You just bought your dream car too. Oh boy. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Is it, settle the debate, is it Porsche or is it Porsche? And do you detail a brand new car like that? So yeah, it, it was a lifelong dream that, that came true. Like ever since I was a young child, a young kid, I was just dreaming of owning a, a Porsche. So my um, Austrian and German viewers um, often like to remind me that it's Porsche with an A. I know a lot of us uh, North Americans like to call it Porsche, but apparently it's Porsche. Um, and so from Deutschland. So um, yeah, it's a 2021 uh, brand new uh, 911 Turbo S. So the uh, the top dog in the 911 range right now, the one of the quickest production cars. Just I couldn't get a 911. I eh? couldn't just get the regular 911. Save yourself some money. That, that's what people say. Some what an entry into Porsche. You got like the fastest 911 that money can buy. Um, it, 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 it's oh, and if I could just inter, if I could just interject yes. here, that video of you was it was emotional. You got oh. emotional looking at that car for the first. time. I watched it several times. See, seeing you start up and you buried your your face in your hands when you heard the the sound. I tried to hide it, but the guys were all over me with their cameras because I had hired a crew for that. And in the end, they're like, you know what, we're we're gonna do it because I gave him full creative um, freedom for the, for the editing portion. And uh, they're like, no, we're gonna put it, man. This this was like true, genuine tears. It, it's nice to see a grown man cry for something that he's worked so hard for. And it, it like, people like to tell me, is that uh, YouTube that brought you there? No, uh, unless you have millions of subscribers, YouTube doesn't get you to that point. It's uh, what I like to say is I'm 40. Well, it's 40 years of making good decisions, having a good job, the investments in um, the financial markets that, that went super well, um, and, and a bunch of other stuff that I did in my life to get me to this point. Um, but yeah, it's been a blessing. Um, like I, I've been dreaming about a turbo or turbo S all my life. And this, this car is just bananas. And, and on the point of, am I happy? Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to share the, that video with my audience of me having that delivery experience. I'm like, this happens once in a lifetime. I had, uh, for the first time ever as well, my girlfriend present with me and my brother for a delivery. And I'm like, I got to share this with, with my audience. So instead of me focusing on all the filming and all that stuff, I just hired a professional team to follow me around for that day. And I'm happy I did because it'll be a souvenir that I'll have forever. Um, my brother was absolutely ecstatic that he got to share that that moment with his bigger brother and uh, my girlfriend as well. Like she 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 said it in the video, hard work. Yeah, I mean, and, and I totally um, am a firm believer that if you work hard and you keep your dreams going, anything can happen in life. And uh, regardless of what level it is, like every, every car guy, I think, has his dream car. It doesn't have to be a Porsche 911 Turbo S. Uh, whether it's a Honda, a Toyota, it could be a Lexus, a BMW, it doesn't really matter. I think any car guy can relate to when it's that special moment of you taking delivery of your brand new car that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into, it, it can bring anybody to tears. Even in the video, what was funny as the viewer said, I can't believe you said that in front of your girlfriend because I said, it's the most beautiful day <laughs> of my life, right? <laughs> but she, she totally understands and supports me. And should you detail a brand new car? Absolutely. And I, and I made a video last week about that actually, because it's one question that pops up a lot, especially from new subscribers on my channel is, well, I just bought a new car and it's the best it could ever look, right? I don't have anything to do on it for the next few months or weeks. And it's quite the opposite. So, and the reasoning behind that, I gave the explanations. Again, I think when people understand the reasons why, they're more inclined to, to uh, go ahead and, and do the tasks afterwards. So basically a brand new car, when you get it from the factory, well, at the factory itself, first of all, there's a lot of quality control. So there can be some uh, little paint nibs from the paint process that need to be corrected or minor defects, swirls, scratches, and they're gonna use uh, orbital or um, water sanding or some rotary polishers to correct that, which can create holograms and finer scratches on the paint. Then the vehicles are transported typically by truck, by train, or by boat. So they're exposed to the elements, they're exposed to rail dust, to brake dust, industrial fallouts, uh, tree sap, acid rain, you name it. 
Then being transported by boat, they arrive at boat docks. They can be left there for weeks or sometimes months. Same thing at the dealership lots when they're left in parkings for sometimes weeks. Again, many, many months over the different seasons. And then what we call dealership installed swirls. Unfortunately, pretty much all the car dealerships have very, very poor levels of preparation. Um, they only have people who are not fully trained. They're not real detailers uh, to go through the quick prep. So the vehicle just looks good from a few meters of a distance when you're taking delivery and off you go. So they'll use cheap waxes just to make it glossy for a few days, or um, they'll use the same dirty water for the 20 cars that they're washing that day, which is horrible, and just poor washing and drying techniques in general. So you combine all those factors and when you know what you're looking for, I always bring my inspection light when I take a brand new, when I buy a brand new car, cause I get a new car every three years. So I go through this entire process. I tell the dealership, do not apply anything on my car. Just wash it so I can inspect it, but use fresh and clean water for my car. No waxes, no paint sealants, no dressings inside the car, no dressings on my tires, nothing. Cause I bring it home and detail it immediately. And that's what we did. And that video, by the way, is following up this, this Saturday on my channel. For those of you who want to see a um, brand new 911 Turbo S being fully detailed with something crazy. So stay tuned for that. But um, so yeah, it, it's only when it's fully detailed that it's actually new. Cause when you bring that inspection light, or you look at it closely at the dealership, you're going to notice those little swirls, those scratches, those nibs, those imperfections. And it's just not to, to my levels at least, or to my viewers levels, because they, they, they share that same drive and passion for, for detailing that I do. So a new car is never new until you have fully detailed it. Okay. So you haven't always driven one of the fastest production cars on the planet. No. Let's quickly. But always good cars and fast cars, but not not to this level. <laughs> so let's do a Cole's Note version of your history yeah. of cars. Go ahead. All right. So before the, the 2021 uh, 911 Turbo S from Porsche, I had a 2018 BMW M550i. So that's a 4.4 liter twin turbo V8. Uh, that one has 460 horsepower and 480 foot-pounds of torque. Um, it, it was a beast quarter mile in 12.3 seconds, uh, zero to 60 miles an hour in under four seconds. So until I got the Porsche, that was the quickest car I had ever owned. And so it was a beast. I brought it to the track. You took it to the track, it. didn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like drag racing with, with my cars. Uh, and so before that I had a 2015, um, BMW 435i X-Drive Grand Coupe M Sport. That's a mouthful. Um, so that was a 335 horsepower car. Again, uh, high performance, very good looks. Prior to that, I had a 2013 Audi S5. So that was a, a supercharged three liter, uh, V6, 333 horsepower at the time. Uh, beautiful interior. Of course, the S5 is a classic coupe. Uh, that that look, that sporty look, and that luxury and comfort. That's one common theme: is is comfort, luxury, and performance throughout my life. Uh, before that, I had a 2009 uh, Mazda 6 GT. Uh, that had a four-cylinder engine, and I, if I remember correctly, 170 horsepower back in the day. Uh, before that was my first brand new car that I bought myself. That was a 2004 Nissan Sentra SER Spec V in volcanic orange color. That kind of got me into the detailing scene because I was doing a lot of um, Nissans for my car detailing for uh, my car forum, which was called the Nissan Performance Club back in the day as well. And then uh, before that was my first car ever. That was a gift from my parents when I graduated high school. So it was a 1990 Toyota Tercel DX. Um, I, I absolutely love that car. I, I brought a lot of personal touches. I was a lot into car modding in the time. So for that Toyota and the, the Nissan, um, a lot of mods. It had The Nissan had made a lot of magazines. I had competed for um, the IASCA challenge for sound quality. So I had a crazy good sounding sound system inside there. I had won the world championships in my category in New York in 2005, if I remember. So um, yeah, I was into the fast and furious years, those early 2000 years. And so I, I love modifications. And now I just buy higher performance cars and I, I just keep them stock. And Is the modding kind of uh, uh, falling to the side? Mostly, I, I guess, because car brands are basically building their cars to look like people were trying to mod them back in the day. But I quite like you, especially in the 90s, had a trunk full of speakers. I had no space in my trunk for anything else aside from two 15-inch Rockford Fosgates. Rockford Fosgate, yeah. That was my first Rockford Fosgates. Yes. And like an Alpine amp and you screwed it on top of this big box and then you put yes. it in. So that used to be the thing. You used to, we used to just drive up and down and you did nothing aside from roll your windows down and, and make your license plate rattle with all the bass. <laughs> yes. And, and, and anger old people who waved canes at you. 
what uh, is is that still around? Is it more about uh, quality as opposed to just like quantity of sound? Uh, what what has happened to that kind of space? The whole um, audio car the car audio space. Well, I'm not into modding anymore, but I think from seeing what my viewers have to say, um, I think modding is more to do with the age group. So I think anywhere in your late teens up to let's say your mid twenties or perhaps late twenties. It seems that people want to personalize their vehicles and make them their own. So uh, you're to a point in life when you're younger that you don't have access to higher performance vehicles because of, well, just finances, right? Uh, when you're in your 30s or 40s, you, you've gone further in life. So it's natural that you have access to more expensive vehicles and high performance ones at that. So when you start off in life, well, maybe you'll have the Honda Civic or you'll have the uh, Toyota Corolla or you're going to have the lower spec whatever or a used version of, of a model you're looking for. And I think they want to personalize them to make them their own and uh, tweak them and tune them and add bits and pieces here and there. Uh, but the evolution as you grow older is now you have access to, well, hopefully a better job. You have uh, some, um, some money that you've set aside for your goals and dreams. And so now all of a sudden you have access to higher performance vehicles and also options. I think that naturally when you buy it like that, you're not as inclined to want to change things. So if I look at the sound systems, for example, so I'm an audiophile, so I have this crazy hi-fi setup as well at home and a dedicated home theater room. And, and I indulge in those passions as well. I have all the guy ops obsessions that I like to say. Um, but so in vehicles now, you get things like my BMW. I had optioned it up with the uh, most expensive sound system that they had, which was the Bowers and Wilkins. And now I look at my Porsche and I took the highest end level, which is the Burmester or Burmeister, depending on what country you're living or how you pronounce it. And so these systems now cost uh, a few thousand bucks when you option them up, but they sound so good that I would not modify them because you, you got to a point where, I mean, you're at 99% of what my um, sound quality winning system back in the day did. And I mean, that was like individual components, uh, custom fiberglass enclosures, custom tuned for the sound with uh, some uh, audio measurement levels. And so laser alignments and crossovers and uh, JL audio amps and all that kind of stuff. So you're getting like 90 to 95% of that performance now stock. You don't have to worry about issues. If there's anything, you bring it back to the dealership and you get to enjoy them out of the box without having to fine tune or going through hardships with, with components that you're adding. And I think it's the same thing for performance as well. Like there are still people who will buy my car, the 911 Turbo S and definitely modify it. And, and I've seen some with seven, 800, a thousand horsepower, but it gets to a point where it's undrivable anymore. I mean, this already, you do it in real life, zero to hundred kilometers an hour or zero to 60 miles an hour in like 2.2 seconds measured, 2.3 seconds. That That is like quicker than any electric car that's out there. Even the, the Taycan Turbo S that I drove, although it does it in 2.6 or 2.5 real measurement, that's still not as quick as my car. So it, it is mind boggling and I don't see why I would want to modify that. And like, even on the roads we have here in Montreal, I will never reach those limits. And I'm a guy that drives like a grandfather anyway. People laugh at me all the time right when I say that. Like I, if it's the speed limit's 100, I drive at 100 on cruise control, 100 kilometers an hour. That's it. I don't I don't get speeding tickets. I, And if I want to have some fun, I bring it to the track in an enclosed environment where it's safe to do things. So I do things the proper way. But uh, yeah, I mean, the roads, at least here in Montreal, aren't meant for those kinds of power. Even my car is way too powerful. Nobody needs that kind of horsepower in a vehicle and that kind of an acceleration. I mean, zero to 200 kilometers an hour in 8.9 seconds, a quarter mile in 10 seconds flat or 10.1. That That is, in Fast and Furious movies, I, I remember when Toretto was asking for a 10 second car. Well, these things came reality now. So the first, and I think some McLarens can, can do it in under 10, right? The quarter mile. So now you have stock cars that give you performance levels of highly, highly tuned vehicles from a few years ago. So for me, I don't think the detailing or the modification scene is as big as it used to. I Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe the youth is still in it, but um, we don't see movies as much about that anymore, right? The first Fast and the Furious movies was all about modifications and then it evolved into more action-packed movies uh, and we weren't talking about the cars as much. And so uh, the culture, I think, has changed and now manufacturers are just coming out with higher performance versions, options that you can get directly from the factory as well. I remember my BMWs, well, the M performance packages already came with uh, optioned wheels, optioned interiors, uh, the side skirts, uh, better performance exhaust, uh, higher tuned engine, right? So there's a variety of things that you can get directly from the manufacturer with the guarantee and with the warranty. As a guy who is not a car guy, 
Is it a good idea for me to take my car to a professional car wash? That's what I do. And it's, and it also, is that a good, I'm paying like $40 for a car wash and they, they wash it inside and out and it looks nice to me, but I don't know if that's a good idea or if I'm actually damaging the car in any way. So I, there, there's two points to that answer for the price. First of all, what I tell people is I never discuss prices on YouTube. The reason being because, um, the main reason geography and location. So the same job in Los Angeles will not cost the same as it does in Ontario or as in Quebec or as in Paris or in Australia. So the location has a lot to do with it. The detailers experience the quality of the products used as well, but location is a big one. So it's very hard to compare. The person says, well, this guy quoted me a thousand five hundred US dollars for the ceramic coating job. Is that a fair price? Well, if you live in New York or Los Angeles, that's actually a cheap price. I've seen coatings go for upwards of 3000 US dollars. So and in Montreal, I don't know, maybe it's 2000 Canadian dollars, which is what, 1500 USD? Yeah, the, the place I get my car done, a full detail there is on a large car is $500. So that's like 650 Canadian. Are they applying and, a ceramic coating or a wax? A wax only lasts two to three months. A ceramic coating is a multi-year semi-permanent uh, level of protection that asks a lot way more hours to be put in and curing times and all that kind of stuff. So the price varies differently. So a wax job here in Canada might be 300 bucks, but a ceramic coating job is 1500. So it's five times the price because instead of two, three months, you're looking at two, four, five, seven years of protection on your vehicle. And for the car wash portion, I'd say if it is a detailer, absolutely, they should know what they're doing. Of course, there are some bad ones out there, but the majority are hardworking individuals. If it is a car washing place, I would steer clear of those because typically that's high volume. They don't use proper washing and drying techniques. They'll have the same dirty bucket of water that they'll have for 20 cars. So any high volume place, I would stay away from. Uh, any place that is an automated car wash as well, that's another question I often get. Those big brushes, yes. like those ones you drive Horrible your car Horrible damage to the vehicle. <laughs> I, even I kind of thought that this can't be good, but I always loved, as a kid, I loved going through those things. They were fun, you know? It like, it's like sandpaper. Well, exactly, because it's the, those brushes, those nylon bristles, they're like abrading the surface. So they're gonna create swirls and scratches. And even if you have a ceramic coating, it's still gonna destroy that over time. And even the touchless car washes, those are still not good because they use high pH or high alkaline soaps. So that will strip away any waxes or sealants. So all that hard work you did, it's gonna remove that over time, make the clear coat look dull and faded over time as well. So they use very caustic ingredients or chemicals and that's not good for the vehicle in the long run. So either do it yourself or bring it to a car detailer. I'd prefer somebody have their cars professionally detailed once a month then go to a automated wash or a high volume car wash four times a month. You're doing yourself a disservice by using those services. Might as well do it less, do it right, and bring it to a professional detailer. If you can't do it yourself. What would you suggest people do where I live? We're in a drought and now they've just, as of last week, issued new water restrictions, rules, restrictions where Oof. you cannot wash your own car in your driveway yeah. because of the amount of water that's just going down the gutter. Yeah, well, there are alternatives. Again, they're not, the best way to wash a car is still always gonna be using the two bucket wash method, or in my case, what I like to teach my audience is three buckets. So one bucket for the wheels, two buckets for the paint, one with clean solution to wash, rinse your midden, and the other one with the sudsy, foamy, soapy solution. Um, but I understand that there's many countries out there with water restrictions or just you live in an apartment and don't have access to free flowing water. So the alternatives to that are twofold. You have one which is called the rinseless wash and one which is called the waterless wash. Now the rinseless wash is the better of two options because you still have your gallon of water. It's just, you don't need to rinse your vehicle. So the rinseless wash uses a uh, proprietary polymer uh, type cleaner. So it's not a soap, so it's a polymer and it has zwitter ionic particles in it. And that in a nutshell, for those chemists out there, it means that it's neither positive, neither negative charge, but basically it encapsulates and lifts the dirt particles off the surface and allows you to wipe them away uh, with enough lubrication to not damage the paint. And if you do things right with the proper tools and techniques, I have uh, tutorials for that on my channel as well. Uh, you can get away with just your five gallon bucket of water and you don't need any water to rinse. There's no water going away in the gutters. So that's, uh, or in the drains and that's an easy way to do things and still follow regulations. Now the 
Last option, which is the oof, less desirable one and only recommended on very lightly dirty or lightly dusty cars, so not on those disgusting dirty cars, is what we call a waterless wash. So the name says it, you use zero water. So it's basically a spray product that you're spraying thoroughly or heavily on the, on the, on the paint surface. And that acts as a lubricant and again, has emulsifiers in it and a bunch of chemicals to help lift the dirts off the surface. And you're gonna, in a swiping motion, use many different microfiber towels to lift that away. Uh, but that is not as efficient because you still have chances of scratching and swirling the paint. So for enthusiasts, we never do that. Um, then go see a professional. But if that's something you say, hey, listen, I don't need a showroom finish. I don't need a museum car finish. My car is not uh, like it's a daily driver and I don't really care. I just want it clean from every now and then. Well, you have that option and with heavy water restrictions to have that waterless wash. So you spray on, you wipe off and it cleans the surface. But again, should only be done on lightly dirty cars or lightly dusty cars. Anything beyond that, use traditional wash methods or go see a professional that has the um, the facilities to recuperate the dirty water and that can properly dispose of wastewater. I have one more question about my truck that's been driving me crazy for a while. This long was the whole time. reason why we have you on the podcast, by the way. It's just so that Steve can get free detailing advice. <laughs> <laughs> Answering questions. Why is my dashboard sticky? Is it ruined? And it's because the and when I took it to the car wash, the guy when he came and gave it back to me in the interior, he says, "Hey, you're you're it's all sticky." He said it's melting. Is that right? Is it melting? And is there any way of fixing it? it it's hard to it's hard to say from a distance because I don't see the vehicle, so I don't know what was put on there. But um, on new vehicles, what happens is a lot of those plastics have chemicals in them, petroleum distillates, and a bunch of stuff. And as it cures, it evaporates. And there's a lot of things like glue and a lot of that chemical smell. I love a new car smell, but a lot of people don't. It gives them headaches because there's a lot of fumes and. Um, uh, gassing out phases from those textiles and fabrics and plastics and rubber inside the, the cabin that still go off for about a month or two after you purchase that vehicle. And they can eventually redeposit themselves on the surface. And th that sticky part is those chemicals that eventually bake and cake and accumulate yeah. dirt and grime. And so they act kind of like an oily situation where they're going to trap those dirt particles. And over time, it feels like a gritty surface or that sticky, gluey surface. It's awful. So yeah, that's why it's important to clean the surface again when you get a brand new car and protect it right so you want to protect especially in warmer climates with exposed to a lot of uv rays against fading and cracking so you're going to use a uv protectant so an interior dressing if you have leather you're going to have a leather coating or a leather sealant again to protect against fading damage cracking uh dye transfer from your jeans or friction damage from coming in and out of the car but the more you clean and protect your surfaces and then from then on do regular maintenance the less chances you have of these things happening so yeah, it, it is normal and uh, he was actually right. It could be from the uh, the chemistry inside the, uh, the fabrics and materials that are just popping up, trapping that dirt. And you feel that same thing for the steering wheel. Often when people say, my steering wheel looks oily and shiny and glossy and it's like sticky to the touch. Well, yeah, because all the dirt and grime from your hands, even though you think you might have clean hands, well, over time that accumulates and clean leather is always matte looking leather. When it's glossy or shiny, that means that it's dirty and it has... Uh, your bodily oils and fluids on it. So you have to clean the leather first with a, a pH balanced leather cleaner and then protect the leather and regular maintenance prevents that from happening. So all the surfaces have that. And if you don't maintain them, well, yeah, you're going to get that sticky, dirty appearance or fading and cracking or God knows what over time when it's exposed to, to the elements. Does a new car smell from a Porsche smell better than a new car smell from another car? No, I, I'd like to think it does, but they, they all smell chemicals. I, I don't know how to explain it. I love that but smell. I, I love it too. I get addicted to it. And, and a lot of car guys love that smell as well. It, it's that fresh, new, just for you, never used vehicle. Right. Same thing for the house. Like this is my third brand new home. And I, I just can't find myself for some reason buying a used home because I want to be the first one to use my bathroom. I want to be the first one to have been in the room. I, I just like the the process of selecting my materials, my finishes, bringing it to my liking. So same thing goes with cars. I always get new cars because I, I get to pick the color, the choices, the colorways, the, the options, the packages, all that kind of stuff. I get excited with those things. It, it drives me, motivates me, makes me happy, puts a smile on my face and yeah. Did the world get a whole bunch of new people who are interested in car detailing after COVID? 
And what did, uh, and also what was it like kind of doing what you do during, you know, the past year? How, how did COVID affect your uh, production? It was a, a sharp increase in subscribers and views. I've never had this many subscribers. I think in the past year, I added 225,000 subscribers. So the most ever, the views have gone up uh, and the watch time too, because people found themselves now at home. So I, I have a few buddies who are YouTubers in other niche or other niches, other industries, and they like lost a lot because um, people weren't into that. But what I noticed with detailing is all of a sudden now, people had so much free time at home, not knowing what to do anymore. And they were starting to tackle, uh, and I'm sure it's the same thing for Clean My Space, right? It, it, that they had time now to tackle tasks that normally they'd put aside or, oh, you know what, detail or wax my car, ah, maybe once a year. But now they had a lot of time and they got they went online and they got hooked. They started watching car detailing videos and they got some satisfaction from watching a guy doing the proper steps to get a vehicle clean from A to Z or A to Z, interior and exterior, and try to emulate that at home. And they're like, man, I did what you suggested and it worked. My never, my car never looked so better. People are wondering like, wow, did you get a brand new car? And they get this sense of fulfillment and enjoyment now. And so one thing led to another, they started binge watching. I think that was the biggest thing for my channel is they couldn't stop watching videos. So it was one after the other, after the other. I even had funny comments from people saying, I don't know why I'm watching these videos. I don't even own a car, but there's something <laughs> so satisfying of seeing the end result. And they got the soothing aspect of it. I think they understood that. And it was much needed in a, in a crisis like COVID where people were feeling uneasy, insecure, uh, stressed out. Some lost their jobs. Um, they were going through sad parts of their lives. Some had, had dark moments. And so all of a sudden you see this bright light from a few channels that, that give you a sense of fulfillment because you, when you accomplish a detailing task, there is definitely instant gratification because you see the end result. It's right in front of you for you to see. And so the, uh, they focus their energies once again on that soothing moment and for a, a brief moment in time, forgot about their daily woes, forgot about the crisis, forgot about the news, just hammering you constantly with negativity about COVID this, COVID that, the economy is going to hell, uh, everybody's losing their job and people are dying. And so people needed positivity. And I think they turned to YouTube to try and find some of that positivity. And yeah, so for in my case, I definitely saw uh, tremendous attraction for, for the channel and I'm, I'm happy for that. So I gained uh, a lot of new followers and people who got the, the detailing bug. Your optimism is infectious and I can see why a lot of people turn to someone like you for that during this time. But the flip side of that is that you're the one that needs to go out and offer that to them. What is it for you? What, what provides you a break from car detailing and YouTube? What do you do to uh, detach from all of that when Pan needs a break? So the answer is gonna be funny. It's twofold. Uh, first part is more YouTube. So how do I relax? Even more YouTube. So I'll watch what everybody else in my space is doing every single day. That might sound crazy, but I wanna stay aware of the trends. I wanna see what's going on. Is there a new product that I need to test? Cause a lot of people have access to oh, this new brand or this new product. Maybe I've never, uh, never tried it, I've never experienced it myself. There's maybe a new technique that's out there cause there are a lot of professional detailers that have their channels as well. And they share their tips, their tricks. Uh, there's enthusiasts as well that, that share their own stuff. So I like to, to see what's going on and help encourage my, my fellow YouTubers as well. I think that's important. So I'll drop a comment every now and then and keep doing what you're doing. I love what you did with this video or that video. Cause I, I think the, the, um, the good thing about spreading positive positivity is that if you infect people with that as well, well, more and more people are going to be like, you know what? It's time for me to smile as well. It's time for me to share that love. It's time for me to share that passion too. And the other portion of how I escape, uh, is either I go wash my own car off camera uh, I love doing that at least twice a week. So believe it or not, the, the car is always clean, or at least I try to, unless I need it dirty for a video. Um, <laughs> and I also love just sitting in my home theater. So I have a place, I have a dedicated custom home theater to, to watch movies and Netflix shows. And then I have another room uh, for hi-fi. So hi-fi setup, I, I'll sit down, either put some, some good headphones or listen to my stereo setup put some good music and just uh, indulge and sit in the dark for in, in the night for like two to three hours on end, just listening music. Cause I absolutely love uh, hearing music. I think that's another thing that soothes me and calms me and just brings me to another place. So when I need to escape, those are the things I, I like to do most. What is next for Pan the Organizer? Um, I can't reveal a lot of things cause there's a bunch of cool videos coming up, but there's always insane plans. Every time I think 
I've reached a pinnacle of, okay, this is as excited as I'll be. This is as crazy as it gets. Well, here I come out with a car reveal video or here I come out with this or that video. And there is definitely a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, lots of um, different things coming as well. So um, I'm always gonna continue detailing videos, that's for sure. But some new twists and some new opportunities as well with different brands that are coming up. I know SEMA this year, the biggest uh, car show in the world in Vegas. I was there in 2018, uh, then couldn't in 2019. 2020, COVID was there. So I haven't been there since 2018 and I hope to be there in 2021. I got my first uh, COVID vaccine woo, a few weeks ago. So uh, yeah, we're, we're heading in the right direction in this province and hopefully everybody, my, my last one, my second shot, I think is in August. So I should be good to go because SEMA is in November. And that's the, the biggest car-related show in the world. So not only for detailing, but car parts, uh, anything car-related, modifications, wheels, tires, garages, so on and so forth. So it is miles and miles of expositions and brands and companies. And like, there's so many people. I've never seen anything like it in the world. So yeah, lots of travel opportunities, hopefully with COVID um, slowly getting behind us. I'm, I'm praying for everyone out there and all the countries to, to, to just go forward and have this bad memory behind us. It seems like it's never ending. We've been in this for already over a year, right? And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of crazy content. The ones who are waiting for surprises, they're, they're going to be happy to see my videos in the coming months. Well, Pan, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. And I wish you all of the success in your channel. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, man. It was, I, I can't even believe it's been more than an hour already. Time flew. You guys are professionals. Thank you. And um, thanks for giving me this platform and opportunity to talk about my passion and what I like and you guys are doing some great job. Keep doing what you're doing as well. Keep smiling. You were super positive and uh, big thumbs up. Happy to see that there's some very positive people as well uh, on this YouTube space. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you would like to learn some more details about the finer details of detailing, subscribe to <laughs> Pan the Organizer on YouTube. And if you enjoy Chad and Steve have a podcast, please take a moment to rate this show and Leave a review over at Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. And you can visit our website. We have a brand new website over at chadandsteve.com. Thanks for listening, everybody.